Welcome to Sister Scriptorians, where we are devoted to learning, likening, and lifting others one principle at a time. time had come. The voice of the Lord told Lehi that he and his family should arise and go into the ship. They were about to embark on the final lake of their journey to the promised land. And this must have been exciting for everyone involved because the synergy that they had created through their unity in constructing the ship and also in keeping and following the commandments of God was blessing their lives. Finally, they were all in. And when their work was finished, they stood back and they recognized that the workmanship on the boat was exceedingly fine. And I love that even though the Lord commanded Nephi to construct the ship, it was still Lehi who led the group. He was still the prophet of God. And he was the one who received the special message from the voice of the Lord to go into the ship. This wasn't done, however, without the necessary preparations. They prepared all things. They gathered much fruit and meat from the wilderness and abundant amounts of honey. And I'm told by a really good friend of mine that as long as you have enough honey to spruce up that unappealing food storage, everything's going to be all right. And so it must have been for Lehi and his family as well. The Lord also instructed them on other provisions to take, and they also gathered up all their seeds, and they were set. And it is here that we learn that Lehi and Sariah had had two sons while they had journeyed in the wilderness. The boys' names were Jacob and Joseph. And all the families, husbands, wives, and their children, entered into the ship, and the ship was put forth into the sea and driven forth before the wind to the promised land. That must have been an amazing sight to behold. But after many days, Nephi writes that his brethren and their wives and the sons of Ishmael and their wives begin to make themselves merry, to dance, sing, and speak with much rudeness. Nephi observed that they forgot by which power they were brought forth. And he began to fear exceedingly that the Lord would be angry at all of them and smite all of them because of the iniquity that was taking place. And isn't this a danger that we too face when we become slothful or bored or understimulated? I'm not making excuses for them, but I do want to point out that when we aren't being diligent and partaking of the good things in life, like the 13th article of faith advises us to do, if there is anything virtuous, lovely or of good report or praiseworthy, we seek after these things. We will fill ourselves with the opposite, therefore producing rudeness within us and finding pleasure in such things. The natural man seeks after stimulation of senses and pleasures in leaving appetites unchecked. Boredom can be a huge trapping for such behaviors. Nephi wasn't unfounded or even being paranoid with thoughts that these behaviors would provoke God. He knew that the Lord was their guide and that to mock him would not go without consequences. So Nephi decided to speak up 
And he spoke to his brethren with much soberness, the scriptures say, and though we don't know what he said, we do know that it triggered that underlying fear of Laman and Lemuel. Further response to him was, we will not that our younger brother shall be a ruler over us. They grabbed Nephi, bound him with cords around his ankles and his wrists, binding him so tight that he could not move, and they treated him with much harshness. And I can only imagine what exactly that phrase means. Now I want you to pay attention to the spiritual maturity of Nephi. He records that the Lord suffered it. He allowed these things to happen to Nephi, to allow him, the Lord, to show forth his power in fulfilling his words regarding the wicked. Wow. I consider this statement of Nephi's to be humbling because of the depth of understanding that he truly had developed, not only for God, but also for our mortal journey. Reading this makes me want to do better, to develop my spiritual maturity, to more fully trust in God's ways. They are just, but I need to believe it with my actions and with my feelings that they are just. I need to believe that he is merciful and that if I submit to his will, I'm going to be okay. And these would be dark days for the travelers. Dark days that would greatly affect every single person on this ship. Yet Nephi does not experience defeat. He doesn't even feel abandoned by the God that he continually praises and valiantly obeys. He knew the mysteries of God. He knew that Laman and Lemuel were being permitted to build a case against themselves. Even if it was at the expense of Nephi's well-being for a while. The compass or the Leahona stopped working, and they didn't know where to steer the ship. A great and a terrible storm with terrible tempests drove the ship back for three days. Because of the fierceness of the storm, Laman and Lemuel began to grow frightened that they might be drowned, but they didn't loosen the cords. And I believe that we are witnessing the opposition to Laman and Lemuel's know-of-a-surety moment. Even that moment was forced upon them, but the result was their humbling and their worshiping God, testifying that they now knew that the Lord was with Nephi and that it was by the Lord's power that they had been shook. And after such a witness, and then still to fall back into their iniquitous ways, it truly does appear that they have become past feeling. For they did not soften from the appeals of their father, Lehi. Instead, they threatened anyone who would dare speak up for Nephi. So great was the grief of the situation that Lehi and Sariah were literally brought down into their sick beds. Nephi records that there was concern that they would die and that they would suffer a watery grave. So great was their grief and their sorrow over their son's iniquities. But they were not the only ones who mourned. Jacob and Joseph were still young and in need of nourishment, and they suffered because of the suffering and state of their mother. Not to mention Nephi's wife and their children. Nephi remarks that his wife's tears 
and prayers along with his children's did not soften the hearts of Laman and Lemuel to let him go. The only thing that did was the personal threat that they were under, (laughs) that they feared that they were going to be destroyed by God. On the fourth day, the tempest became exceedingly sore. Remember, for at least four days, Nephi has been bound. And at this point, they are about to be swallowed up in the sea. Laman and Lemuel can now clearly see that the judgments of God were upon them and that if they didn't repent and loosen Nephi's cords, they would perish. Finally, they loosened the bands around Nephi's wrists and ankles, which had swelled greatly and had become extremely painful. And I don't want to read too much into things, but I do notice that this time, in contrast to times past, that there is not a mention that Laman and Lemuel humbled themselves before the Lord. They repented by loosening the cords that bound Nephi, but there doesn't appear to be included that coming unto the Lord part that we're so used to reading. And again, a cautionary tale that we must be careful when we do receive those know of assurity moments that we need to recognize the honor, the gift and responsibility that we're being given when we receive such moments. And that then to deny them or to turn our backs on them can be a detriment to us. Nephi writes that he did not murmur against the Lord because of his afflictions. (laughs) It's amazing. But instead, he praised him all day and he looked unto God when he was loosed. What difference would we experience in our afflictions? If in those moments we made God our friend, our companion, and not our enemy and our persecutor. Nephi took the compass, which had begun to work again, and he prayed unto the Lord. And at this time, the winds and the storm ceased, and there was a great calm. And just reading those words fills me with calm. This must have been a tender moment for the faithful. Not unlike our moments when our storms finally cease to rage against us. Enjoy the calm. Don't push it away. It's a tender mercy to not be overlooked. It's a recouping moment, a praising moment, a be still and know that I am God moment. Nephi, with the help of the compass, guides the ship towards the promised land once again. And after many days, they arrive at the promised land. And the footnotes say that it was probably around 589 BC. They pitched their tents. They tilled the earth and they planted all of their seeds and their crops did grow exceedingly. They were blessed with abundance. They had finally, after approximately 11 years, made it upon the shores of the promised land. Traveling in ocean, especially when you're a desert people with probably not a lot of experience with water and boats. This must have been an out-of-world experience. No doubt it blew their minds. But the grief and the hardship, along with the frenzy that grew to a murderous pitch, it just didn't need to happen. And I think sometimes we too casually identify with Laman and Lemuel, thinking that we would have been like them 
if we were in their position. And fortunately, in the Book of Mormon, we have another example of a people who were also asked to do the same task, construct a ship, cross an ocean. And no doubt they too experienced the same blow-your-mind response. But their experience was different. The contrast shows us how much power we truly have over our responses in life. Because life happens. And we will all most likely be called upon to do tasks that will blow our minds. But our precious gift of agency empowers us to choose our thoughts, to create feelings that will help us accomplish our goals. And we even have been tutored regarding Christ-like attributes that we can aspire to develop and then we can tap into that will help us deal with life. And then when we're asked to take a step of faith, you want to call it a leap? Yeah, sometimes it's a leap. I'll go with that. Cool. Okay, but when we do, we open the doors to the greatest gift giver who desires to give us his tender mercies to strengthen us and make us mighty even unto the power of deliverance. But we got to take that step in order for him to help us with that. One step becomes two. And as we're managing our thoughts and discerning the spirit and feeling those feelings of his mercies that lead us along until we eventually notice we have created with him something beautiful beyond what we ever imagined we could do. Notice the use of agency that the people of Jared acted upon as they were required to cross similar waters to the promised land. Remember the people of Jared were from the time in which the children of God had their language confounded because of their drive to build a tower, the Tower of Babel, to reach heaven. But because of the righteousness of the brother of Jared, of Jared and his family, and of a few good friends, the Lord answered their prayers, and he led them away, and he didn't confound their language, and he led them to the shores with a promise of taking them to a promised land. They too had to build boats after the manner in which the Lord would show them. And when they were completed, the Lord caused a furious wind to blow their ship towards the promised land. Though the ship would be buried by mountainous waves from time to time, which were caused by this furious wind, they were not hurt. Their ships were as tight as a dish, not permitting any water to enter. And when they were underwater, they would cry unto the Lord and he would bring them back up. Interesting, the scriptures note that the wind never ceased to blow towards the promised land. There was no tarrying. They were not driven back. And what made that possible? It was the use of their agency. The Jaredites, when they were on the boat, sang praises unto the Lord. The brother of Jared sang praises to the Lord. They did thank and praise the Lord all day long. And when the night came, they did not cease to praise the Lord. The scriptures in Ether chapter 6 tell us that they were driven forth and that there was no monster of the sea that could break them, neither a whale that can mar them, and that they had light continually, whether they were above or below water. Now here's a clincher for me that puts both their experience and Lehi's experience in perspective. Without being driven backwards or tarrying, 
This trip for the Jaredites took 344 days to complete. For 344 days being held within a boat, they managed to find virtuous thoughts, they engaged in lovely pastimes, and gave praise to their God continually. They did not become slothful or sloppy in their remembrance of who was upholding them. When they landed upon the shores of the promised land, they knelt upon those shores and humbled themselves even more before the Lord. Tears of joy were shed, and they remembered, and they gave thanks for the multitude of the Lord's tender mercies. Compare and contrast the experience of the Lehites versus the experience of the Jaredites. It is a fantastic example of how much power we have over our own sufferings, over our reactions, even our perceptions of the happenings of life. What was affliction for one group was just a means to an end for another. And that's not to say that there were events that the Jaredites experienced upon the waters that the majority of us would agree were hard things to experience. But the Jaredites chose to make God their friend and their constant companion, not their persecutor. And he blessed them for doing so, for he never needed to cease the winds in the direction towards the promised land. We can easily suffer because of the meanings that we attach to life's experiences. We may not consciously always be aware that we are choosing the meaning of our experiences as early as we attach an interpretation to that moment. This is the reason that we suffer from negative thinking, pain, and for our inability to take a step in faith towards what we truly desire. In the upcoming months, possibly around February, Sister Scriptorians is going to start offering a mentoring service to help you take those steps of faith to create the experience you desire by helping you more intentionally use your agency. I'm exploring the option of opening a group for women and then a separate group for young women ages 14 to 19. As you go through our program, you'll become aware of the weight you carry around because of those debilitating thoughts. And that as you learn to take back your agency, even at the point of conception of thought, that you'll begin to see and feel the hope that possibilities of choice can bring back into your life. Subscribe to Sister Scriptorians through iTunes or Spotify, or join us on Facebook or Instagram to be ready for the moment when we do launch this program. These tools, along with your faith in Jesus Christ, will enable you to have your ship driven forth continually without ceasing towards the promised land. Sister Scriptorians, this week practice making the Lord your companion and not your persecutor. Redirect your thoughts and the meaning you give your afflictions. Be careful of idleness that can drive you backwards upon your personal waters. Instead, engage yourself in virtuous, lovely, of good report or praiseworthy activities that can help you create the experience you desire to have. Have a good day.